0: You we okay.
1: Thank the Lord for rifle (laughs) rifle and I are tag teaming this morning so we did that this morning at a sunrise service and it was really beautiful and it was also the gospel of uh, Matthew and Mark was read the gospel stories from there of the resurrection and. Me and Rifle have been spending a couple of weeks together planning this and Rifle's heart was truly moved with the scriptures of the Luke 24 story and the disciples on the road to Emmaus and uh, in prayer I decided to read the story from the Gospel of John. Um, If you'd like to get a little bit of exercise uh, we could stand again at the reading of God's word. John 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and ran and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there in the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord for the people of God. You may be seated. Now on the first day of the week, our text begins. This is uh, Sunday, it's today. Sunday is the first day of the week. The whole church was changed by this resurrection day. Uh, The Sabbath day had been, in Jewish time, it started from 6 in the evening to 6 the next day. Their days weren't 12 to 12, but from 6 to 6 when the sun set. And so their Sabbath day was uh, when Jesus died on the cross, that that grief and sadness and loss was right before Sabbath was coming. So Friday, 4 or 5 o'clock, somewhere after the darkness fell at 3, from 12 to 3, Jesus died uh, a death uh, upon the cross. Sad grieving, the losing of hope all that death brings and more because so much hope was put in Jesus and they did not understand the cross and his death and there was a lot of grief and we have grief in our story today. I titled this From Grave Clothes and Tears because you have these grave cloths in this story, you have Mary weeping and weeping over again and then on to a little bit that I'll read to the Holy Spirit and purpose. So this grief that is there on the first day of the week, early Sunday morning while it is still dark, uh, Mary comes to the tomb and saw that the stone had already been moved away. We learn from the other gospels that she was with other ladies coming to the tomb and you would think, well that's not in this portion, but in verse 2 there's a key word, I tried to emphasize it when I was reading it, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know. Or so you can see there that the other ladies are there. Some people say that these discrepancies in the Gospels, that they're different. Uh, earlier on in Roman history, a lot of uh, uh, Greek writers and others really diminished Christianity, and they attacked it very vehemently. And one of the things they said about the Gospels and still do to t- today is that the Gospels don't match up. They don't line. The stories, there's two angels, there's one on a stone, there's two, one at the head of a, you know, these discrepancies. For a while, that was a big uh, defeat for Christians in a way. They were like, yeah, oh, man, what's going on? They didn't really write this right, you know, and oh, man, they got us there. But now, when... You know, modern-day history detectives started working with crime cases and trying to hear eyewitness testimonies. They found out that eyewitness testimonies were always always different. All these people had seen the same thing. You saw this plane, and it crashed, and what happened? Well, I saw this and that, and they're like, what? And this other person, no, they were wearing this, and there was a car going by. and They all tell these different things, and what they learned was when these witnesses came in and they told the story differently... They found out that it was actually true. It is really what they saw and how they saw it. And when they got three or four witnesses that came in and they all told the story exactly the same, word for word, they go, these guys have gotten together and they're making up a story. They're all lying. So now we have these discrepancies in the gospel, which aren't discrepancies. They're actually greater proofs of God's word that these were actually eyewitness testimonies. This is just one of the small little glimpses of the power of the word of God and how it proves out to be true and historically reliable that it's from eyewitnesses. And this and something happened so powerful on this day, this first day of the week, that these mostly All Jewish disciples, and mostly when he, uh, Peter preaches uh, full of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 50 days from here on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 come into the church, mostly Jews from around the world, change the day that they meet on. They literally, the Sabbath is revolutionized to where they gather on Sunday morning through the power of the resurrection. Can you say amen? I mean, we meet on the first day of the week and have since that early day they met on the first day of the the week, and this is emphasized throughout the Gospels and places. Uh, One person wrote, Jesus knew he was going to die and that he wouldn't stay dead, and Friday was that dark and sad day, like Rapha said, that day that even on the resurrection day they were walking with their heads down and even when Jesus and they didn't recognize him asked that question, they were looking sad, you know rifle brought that out just such grief and sadness on that Friday when Jesus was crucified and he knew though Jesus knew that he wouldn't stay dead, and that Friday would be dark and sad, but Saturday, a stone was rolled in front of that tomb. Jesus was buried i mean friday that that evening when they got his rushed his his body in there to lay it they didn't have time to really prepare it and the the women and mary magdalene and all the people at the cross that saw jesus die they didn't have time to put the spices in that friday uh, because of the sabbath so they were waiting all day saturday they call saturday that stone cold silent day and and mary magdalene the story is emphasized here with her she's just waiting all day with these ladies can't wait to get back and see the body of the crucified lord you know I, I can't wait to get there and actually prepare his body correctly, to anoint his body with oils, you know, to put fragrant spices on his body, to care for his body, to go through that grieving process, because they used to do that. They didn't whisk the body away, cremate it, throw out smashes. ashes. Come, no, they looked at the body, they grieved, they went through this process, and Mary couldn't wait to do it, but they sat through that Sabbath. But that's all revolutionized through Sunday, the third day. And it was just not another day. It was just not another day of the week, even. It was a day of new creation. It was a day when there was a whole new age, a whole nother age. It's the biggest story. It's like it had turned the page into a new creation. You see, the Bible proclaims Jesus as the first fruits from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15. In Colossians, the firstborn from the dead. This means that Jesus was raised with a body that was raised like no other person had ever been raised. You see, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus' body was raised like the body that he had before. So there was that continuity. And so as we get into this text and we see, uh, you know, Peter and John running to the tomb, almost everybody says that how John writes his gospel, the disciple that Jesus loved is referring to himself. He knew his identity. His identity was in his, how much Jesus loved him. That's who, who, who he, he, he defined himself as. The one whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. This was our identity. And identity is a big thing in the world today. But identity today is make it up to however you want it to be and then uh, proclaim that onto the rest of the world. This is who I am now. This is, this is who I am. We self-define But in the Bible, we're defined by how much we're loved and by how much we're adored. And this is how John defined himself, the disciple in whom he loved. And it's real important for John as he writes this to bring out that maybe Peter was the leader. Maybe Peter was the great one. Maybe I'm going to get to the tomb and wait, you know, for Peter to come in out of respect. But Peter wanted to let you know. I mean, John did wanted to let you know in writing this that he was faster than Peter and that Peter couldn't run. And he wanted to run him down a little bit. I got there first, and I waited, waited, waited. Finally, Peter came in running. I thought he was running. I thought he was walking. I don't know. But he finally gets there, and Peter boldly ro- runs right in. And he looks, and there's this story of a few verses about grave cloths, about, about what death is, about what the tomb is, about death. But there's something in there, and there's this word that uh, is used uh, in the Greek that Peter saw. He saw the grave cloths. We know he saw them. doesn't say any details about or lady, but something he saw. And then he saw the face cloth or the, the, the separate cloth that was laid around the head neatly folded up in a separate place. So he saw this. And that word uh, is the word in the Greek where we get our word to theorize. Uh, so they're they're, they're pondering it. They're contemplating it. They're deeply going, what does this mean? They're looking at the clause, and that's the, clo- the grave clause. And, and John does the same thing. He comes in, and he saw, and that same word is used, he saw. So he's, they're, they're kind of marveling and, and contemplating, like, what does this mean? They don't know. They, they don't know at this time. They don't, you know, the memory doesn't come back. Jesus said he was going to be crucified, and on the third day rise, he told them that. Repeatedly at least three time times in the Gospels that are recorded, but they don't get it still. They're just looking, except John says here he did. He looked, he saw, he theorized, he contemplated, and he believed a miracle. And Peter just left to go. He you know, it doesn't say about Peter, but John believed. And they're they're returning home. And Peter now now Mary here, now the story shifts a little. Remember, Mary came. And it says we, so we know that with, with the gospel of Mark and others that the other ladies uh, were with um, uh, Mary Magdalene at that time. But here now, after she kind of comes back and Peter and John are stooping in and looking uh, in the tomb and they leave, Mary doesn't leave. She lingers. You ever linger with the Lord? You ever wait on him? You ever say no? No, I'm staying here, God. I'm on my knees, I'm laying prostrate, I'm on my face before you, it's just not, no, not done yet, I, I know, I still need you, this, I'm not leaving here, until, I'm just, you know, this is Mary Magdalene, see, I like her, I like her, I like her, I like her desperation, and here's what we know about Mary Magdalene, how would you like this to be your, your rep, your word that everybody talked to you about, this is what Uh, Mark talks about in this, that Mary Magdalene first appeared, that Jesus first appeared to Mary Magdalene, the woman whom Jesus cast out seven demons. That's what Mark says. And we know that true because Luke records that too in Luke chapter 8, that Mary Magdalene was this woman. Now, what kind of a woman is a woman that has seven demons cast out of her? And what we know in the Bible about other demon-possessed people of that day, we have the demoniac at Gathering who ran around naked, cutting himself with stones. They'd chain him, he'd break him. He, you know, he was a wild madman. Uh we know other demon-possessed people in the Bible, the man that brings his son to 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 be helped by the disciples and they can't, and Jesus comes down and he says, you know, do you believe I can help your son? And he says, "Uh, I can't really believe, man. He's done this his whole life, but Jesus he says, Help my unbelief. And Jesus says, you know, what do you mean if you believe? Yeah. And he ends up casting the steam out. Well, what is that guy doing? He's throwing himself in fire. He's froming at the mouth. He's trying to kill himself. He's suicidal. He's This is the kind of woman, there's no doubt, that Mary Magdalene was from everything we understand from the scriptures. This would have been, most of the time, they were homeless. Uh, all of these things. This would have been Mary. And I just thought about stories that are written uh, to try to build up a legend to build up who hercules was you know in the stories are uh, or when superheroes tell these stories you know these great comic strip writers or all of the hero novels of the marvel comics and dc comics and they're competing for these who is this hero they 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 tell a lot of similar stories it gets kind of repetitive after you've seen a lot of them but back in the day the early ones, superman and superman returns uh, he's uh, Superman's trying to save Lois Lane on this plane, and it's burning and crashing, and this is the way us, we like, and this is the way the world likes, you know, like, Jesus, if you're going to return, return like this, man, let, let people see you. Go to those Pharisees and say, yeah, I came down from the cross now, and I rose from the dead, because they were mocking him, saying, come down and we'll believe you. Now go and appear to them, come on. I don't know, that's the way I think. Maybe you don't. I'm just like, appear to people. And Superman, he's... Trying to grab the plane, and Lois Lane is on there, and, oh, and all these people, and oxygen's popping down, and engines are burning, and a wing flies off, and engine, and hits Superman and knocks him way over here, and the plane's gonna crash, and but he comes back, and then another wing breaks off, and an engine, and he's fighting his strength, his power, his glory, you know, for 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 everyone to see, and the the tension and the excitement, and and then. You know, it starts crashing, and there's nothing but just that nose of the plane and the fuselage with everybody still alive on it. It's burning, it's crashing. Where is it coming down? Right into a big, huge baseball stadium, you know, and the pitcher's about to pitch, and it's packed, I mean, there's not a, there's not a seat empty in that stadium, it's, a, you know, it's some huge game, what is it, the World Series, I don't know, and the pitcher's like, and they're like, oh my gosh, and then they all run from the infield, and the crowd stands up, and the little children, and the hot dogs, and this everything, and they're all looking, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's Superman, is he gonna be able to save this giant, you know, oh, there's not even nothing left on the plane, still fire and smoke coming out the back, and and he's grabbing the front of it now, and he's pushing with all of his strength, and it puts him clear down to the infills, and now it's crushing his body, and he's bending down, and the break, the plane, the nose of the plane begins to break because he's pushing so hard against the metal, and it's cracking all around him, but he stops it, and he grabs it, and the top of it begins to fall down, and he can't quite catch it. And he's kind of tired. He goes boom, and then the roar goes up. The whole crowd, television, cameras, flashing lights. Isn't that the way you'd like Jesus to return? Yeah, he will. But that's not how he rises from the dead. Can you believe that? Jesus comes in the dark, in the early morning, still dark, to a woman he casts seven demons out of, and who is so distraught and crying, she won't leave that tomb. And, and even this, so Jesus is unknown, he's unrecognized, and yet he's right there in the middle of her grief. Because that's who he goes to, the distraught, the grieving, the weeping, the two disciples walking on a road with their head down, two insignificant ones and we don't even hear about till this story, Cleopas and this other person that doesn't even have a name. You know? And so he comes to these broken-hearted, these distraught, these weeping, these, uh, uh, and he says what to her? It's me! It's me! Watch me! I'm going to go do all this so you can... He doesn't do that. What is he doing? I mean, you got to just... It, it's me, Mary. Something. No. One word. Mary and all of a sudden she knows and when Jesus says stop clinging to me there's no doubt that you can see what happened she turned and lunged on him and grabbed him cleaned him and was just I'm never going to let you go I'm never going to let you go Jesus and he's like stop clinging to me and he goes into this talk about ascension I haven't ascended yet. Go tell the disciples I'm going to ascend when I ascend, this and that. So what happens with this? Number one, calling her name. John 10, 3 says, To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. He calls his own sheep by name, and they know his voice, and he leads them out. And he had led Mary Magdalene out. He had led her out and those demons he had called her by name and when he calls her name she knows it is him and that's who her whole identity and world is wrapped around this is the one that loves me this is my robonai this is my teacher this is the one that feeds me this is my lord and my master and he'll call out your name and he's calling your name do you remember the day he called you? He calls a sheep by name, and they know him. We find our identity in Christ. And of Christ, Isaiah says, a bruised reed, he will not break, or a smoldering wick, he will not crush out. Extreme gentleness you see with Jesus, that he won't just break off a bruised reed he'll try to restore that bruise and that reed and a lot of times they use reeds to play music on and make flutes and all these things a bruised reed is mushy Ugh, you'd cut that off and throw it away not jesus he'll take a bruised reed and restore it and then he'll play beautiful beautiful music through it somebody like mary magdalene playing beautiful music through her life and being the first one that jesus appears to resurrected as the first fruits from the dead see not like Lazarus raised but raised yes with a body that they could recognize when their eyes were opened so that continuity yes the grave clothes say the body isn't there there's definitely not a body that's what that says the body's gone and the story about it being stolen can't be true because why would you take off the grave cloths and why would you fold up neatly and take the time if you were trying to rush in and steal a body and run off with it you grab it as it is you wouldn't sit there and take all the gravecloths off and fold up a nice little napkin and set it up there. You wouldn't. So they're, they are understanding this, but they don't know the full extent of the story. And here we find out through the gravecloths and through the weeping that Jesus still has a story to tell. Go back and tell the disciples about this ascension, about me ascending. And what does ascension have to do with? Well, in the discourse with John, there's several chapters, 14. 16 that all talk about the holy spirit and in the in his talk about the holy spirit there's several scriptures in there one of them john 20 17 um no Uh, let me see back in uh, john 16 he says it's to your advantage that i go away for if i do not go away the helper cannot come And so he's talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. And in another place, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to send another comforter to you, a helper. He's doing all of this, but he's talking about going away. He's talking about, you know, he's talking about ascension. When I go away, we will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus would send the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son would send the Spirit. And and that's all in that discourse with John. And so he does. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about this ascension. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and about sinning. Let me go, Mary, because if you let me go, I'll ascend and I'll send the Holy Spirit. This is the ascension talk. And I will make myself more real to you than you just clinging on to me like this. Can you believe that? And this is what the Holy Spirit has the power to do. Uh, the Holy Spirit has the power to make Jesus more real uh, to us even today than if Jesus was here and we got to spend some time with his his, his actual resurrected body, like Mary. Stop clinging to me. If you let me ascend, I can make myself more real to you than you just clinging on to me. Let me go. He's told the disciples that. Let me go. When I go to the Father, I will sin. The Holy Spirit's been with you, but he will be in you. This is, this is the ascension talk. Uh, Tim Keller says this. He says, what's going on uh, with this story about ascension and what the story he tells Mary to go tell the disciples and he quotes this author Annie Dillard uh, a novelist and and she has this line and it says this I'd been my whole life a bell and didn't know it until I was lifted up and rung and I think Jesus is telling Mary this is who you are just by her name Mary defines who she is it's it's an identity uh working time i mean you know jesus is working with one woman you know he's just raised from the dead and yet he's counselor he's the wonderful counselor he's the prince of peace he's working on this one woman telling her like let me go and calling her by name and bringing this healing into her he's giving her not only identity but purpose and I'd like to talk about that some more, but I know I need to close. And so I want to look at the disciples and how right after this, he goes to the disciples. And this is just to confirm more about the ascension talk being the Holy Spirit in John twenty nineteen through 23. On the evening of that day, first day of the week, still that first day, the doors being locked. So it's later that night now of that same day. Uh, the doors are locked. That's important. Uh, they were in fear of the Jews. That was is the disciples think they're going to get uh, arrested and crucified and killed too. Uh, Jesus came and stood among them. So he is a resurrected body, the, the grave clothes say, but he appears behind closed doors. Just like Rifle said, when they broke the bread, he vanished. So, this, there's continuity to this body in that it is the risen body of Jesus. The grave is empty. But there's some discontinuity, too, in that it is a glorified body. He's the first fruits. He's raised in a new kind of body. A body that we sang about that death was the victory over death. Like his death killed death. So, this glorified body is a body that can do some things that the same body that Jesus had before wasn't doing, appearing and, and disappearing. This is a very important fact that Jesus wants to, to make true uh, in Luke 2. In, in that story that Rifle was reading later on, Jesus says, uh, you know, give me a piece of fish. Because they thought, I mean, he's a spirit. He's raised spiritually. And that's what people are still saying today. Well, spiritually he rose. And he, you know, they saw the grave cloths. The body was missing. The body was never found. The body was raised. So it's not just spiritual. And, and that's what he's saying. Give me a piece of fish to eat. And he eats in front of them. And, they go, and then he's, he's saying, feel me touch me and that's what he does to the disciples here in john 20 uh, or a little bit later because he tells thomas to put your hand to my side feel me a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones like you see that i have so jesus still has that so he's resurrected from the de- dead in a glorified body he's appearing inside of this room and then the disciples were glad they saw the lord from sorrow to gladness from 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 just defeat to to joy and this is the way life is a lot of times. And, uh, and, and so he says, peace be with you. And he, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So he's given them purpose, refocusing. This is what it's about, what you're going to do now. He's sending them into their mission. The resurrection means, as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And when he had said this, and here's the ascension talk about the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Interesting, breathed on them. <sighs> you remember this in C.S. Lewis' Aslan? You know, he would breathe on them, <sighs> the lion, and, you know, and the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about forgiveness. If you forgive the sins of it, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And he's sending them out, here's what this means, in the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the good news which they do in Acts. He's sending them out with the authority of that message, backed by the power of the Holy Spirit, which they receive 50 days, day of Pentecost, 50 days later from this day, this first day of the week. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit Descends and they, this is like a foretaste of that. Jesus breathing on them. Then the Holy Spirit fully comes, the wind, the power. And Peter stands up and preaches a message about the cross, about Jesus dying, and spends most of the, rec- the rest of Acts chapter 2 preaching about the resurrection. They were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through them in your midst. Uh, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So you see this mighty preaching of Peter of the resurrected Lord Jesus. And this power is still here today. And we know 3,000 were added to the church that day at that sermon. But later, the word and the eyewitness testimony that comes through the word has brought salvation to us today. And to all who would believe, he offers eternal life in Christ Jesus. And this new day of Sunday that we celebrate on is a new day of new creation. He's making all things new in Jesus and 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You become a new creation. When you repent and believe in the gospel, you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, in 2 Corinthians five eighteen, who is reconciling us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. See, this is what he called uh, the apostles to. Um, in John 20 there he breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit he says I'm sending you go out and preach this message of forgiveness this precious message of reconciliation because God in Christ is reconciling the word to himself not counting their trespasses against them can you say hallelujah Amen. man if you know me and I've hurt you and I've wounded you in any way I ask you to forgive me horizontally but ask God, who I've offended most, please forgive me of my sins. And that's what he sent the disciples out to do. Full of the Holy Spirit, go and reconcile the world. Forgive them of their sins. Forgive, bring forgiveness, bring this message of re- reconciliation. And if you don't receive that message of reconciliation, your sins are withheld. Your forgiveness from your sins is, is not there. That's why Jesus gave them the power of this message, the power of the Holy Spirit. There's only one way to God, and that is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's what the apostles preached, and that's what's still true today. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse 20 says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And each one of you are an ambassador for Christ. If you are in him and have repented of your sins experience the forgiveness that Jesus brings through the cross and his resurrection. And we invite you to that today Um, as we take communion together and we sing a closing song. I think Rifle and Karen will be up here to pray with you or maybe being here with us uh, on Easter, this resurrection day, your hearts are stirred to just be closer to God and you want someone to pray with You're welcome to come up as we sing this song and pray with uh, Rifle will be over here and if Karen could come too and pray. But today we want to give you an opportunity in closing to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. We have these prepared uh, for you in the chairs in front of you. And if you want to take the Lord's Supper with us right now, you're a believer and you've put your trust in Jesus? You can. There's two types. One has the bread in the bottom. And we ran out of those. And some have the cracker in the, in the top. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And he gave thanks to God, the Father, for it. And he said, this is my body given to for you for the remission of sins take and do this in remembrance of me let us partake together in like manner Jesus took the cup and he said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood do this, given for the remission of sins, give this and do this in remembrance of me, and remember my death until I come. Let us partake of the cup together. We thank you, Lord, mighty God, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for his body given for us and his blood shed for us. We take it in faith remembering his death until he returns. Our living Lord, our living Savior, we thank you and praise you. Anoint our hearts to sing this closing song of worship, Lord. We just ask as you speak to hearts here and as their hearts are stirred within them, as they feel the move of your Holy Spirit in their heart, maybe it is burning within them the way that you have brought your scriptures alive to their heart today i just pray that your will would be done and if they need to come and come forward and pray with rifle or ship and they will and just confirm what you're doing in their heart we ask this in jesus name amen
2: How deep the father's love for us How vast.
1: Be blessed and filled with the Holy Spirit and may the joy that Jesus had be in you and may you go out and be an ambassador for Jesus Christ reconciling the lost world to Jesus in Jesus name amen Amen. love one another